In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. And I will just stand on this, guys. I believe if you are the man, God tells you to wash your wife in the word. I believe that you need to know the word better than anyone in your family. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. From Men in the Arena, it's Equipping Men in 10. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. This is Equipping Men in 10 or 15. I'm Jim Ramos. I'm here with my co-host, <laughs> Dale Culver. Well, I just know just these are going to go a little long. So how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Hey, we don't have a lot of time to mess around, but uh, I do want to hear about a man word. Yeah, my man word today is persistent. Interesting yeah. choice of a man word. That's yeah, weird. Weirdest thing ever. No, it doesn't fit, but I'm I'm impressed that you chose something out of left field, not vanilla. Yeah, it's it's just uh, all about continuing forward even when things are tough and there's obstacles in your way. You're persistent. Um, we've said this in the past. It's not how uh, if you're the best, but it's if you outlast the rest. Yep. You know, and uh, so that guy is a persistent dude. You just keep going and going and going. Would it be safe to say that that guy persists religiously? That's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, he's a religious... Yeah. I mean, not necessarily... He's not a religious guy, but to persist is to do something religiously until you succeed. Yeah. I'm just going to do this thing until it happens. Oh, which, yeah. Which... Wow. Uh, which uh, there, there's the tie-in. So hey guys, we're we're going through uh, my uh, book that will be released in June called The Full Capacity Man, and it's 20 qualities to unlock your best version or zeroing in on your best version. We don't know what the subtitle is going to be, but it's going to be awesome. Anyway, we're going to be dealing with chapter 12 today. That chapter title is The Devout Man, and it comes from Titus chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Remember, all 20 of these come out of the pastoral epistles of Titus 1 and 1 Timothy 3, where Paul lists the 20 qualifications of a spiritual leader, which really should be the goal of every man, right? That's the goal. And so in Titus 1.8, it says, For the overseer must be devout. And thinking of that passage, I go to Romans 1.1, 1, 1, where Paul says, Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. You know, I don't know about you, Dale, but living out here in the Pacific Northwest, I, I've heard a phrase many, many times from guys who uh, don't go to church. I've heard it uh, from family members, and it's really a quote from John Muir, 
who lived from 1838 to 1914, was a famous naturalist. And the quote is this, I'd rather be in the mountains thinking about God than in church thinking about the mountains. You know, and that sounds really cute and very appealing, but I would have to say this, as I've heard this statement over and over through the years, I've had one guy tell me the mountains are my church. And I would just say this, that statement, or another statement I've heard is I'd rather be fishing and thinking about God than in church thinking about fishing, or I'd rather be hunting and thinking about God than in church thinking about hunting. You know, And I would just say this, I want to start with the shock and awe that this statement and any derivative thereof, in my humble opinion, is a proclamation of a lukewarm faith. A devoted follower of Jesus Christ would never say that. And I, I will go on record as saying, I am categorically opposed to John Muir's statement. John Muir was not a believer. He was a spiritual man, but he believed many, many things. Uh, he was definitely not a believer. And I would just say a devout man would never say that, ne- would never make that statement. Yeah. And, and here's why. Because that statement comes from the Greek word hoseos. And hoseos, according to Albert Barnes, It describes a person who is pious or devout. It describes a person who is faithful in all his duties to God. But it's more than that. Barnes continues, it's about having or showing a deep religious commitment. Did you catch that? There is, and I know Christian guys don't like to hear this in this day and age where anything where there's rules attached, we get bent out of shape because there is an element of Christianity today that is very, very soft. According to Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words, Hoseos is first and foremost, now listen, there's three components of Hoseos. There's three components of this devout or piousness. The first and foremost is associated with righteousness, being in right standing with God. Second, it designates something that is holy as opposed to what is unholy or unrighteous or, or polluted. Thirdly, it describes the character of a Christian. D. Edmund Herbert describes this threefold purpose of Hoseos this way, denoting his personal piety, an inner attitude of conforming to what is felt to be pleasing to God, and consistent with religious practices. So if we break all of these definitions down, we come up with three things that the devout man does religiously. And I'm using the word religiously because although I believe Christianity is a relationship with God, there are religious components to that. Now, guys will push back and say, whoa, 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 that, you know, that Christ died for that. We're under grace. But let me say this. Because I love Shanna, I do certain things religiously. Because, because I am committed to health, I do certain things religiously. Because I'm committed to the Bible, I do certain things religiously. In other words, I do them consistently over time on a very, very regular basis. I tell Shanna I love her. I bet you in a given week I tell her I love her 7 to 15 times. I mean, I tell her that. It's important. I do it religiously. I tell my sons I love them religiously when they leave to go away somewhere. And so there are certain things that we do religiously because of a relationship. This is important for men. When we look at this Greek word hoseos, there are three things that we learn about hoseos that speaks to the devout life or the pious life or the religious life as we live out 
our relationship with God. Does that make sense, Dale? Am I, oh, absolutely. Am I tra- tra- okay. And so I know there's going to be pushback here. And honestly, if you know me by now, I really don't care. Mm-hmm. I'm really more concerned about truth than your feelings or your opinions. You know, everybody's got an opinion, and that's great. Uh, but I'm all about the facts. So here are the facts of being devout. Now, if you want to be devout, here are the three things the devout man does. The devout man is devoted to consistent church attendance. I'm just letting the silence for the guys to scream. Guys, you can define church however you want. I define it as a consistent gathering of fellow believers to worship God, enjoy fellowship, and practice their spiritual gifts. I mean, this is a place where, and it's something I do regularly. I attend a local church. I'm a leader in my local church. I run the men's ministry in my local church, and I am a devoted consistent attender in my local church. And if and if, for you, it may be a home church. For you, it may be some other thing. You have to define what that is for you. I'm not going to put some organizational definition attached to it, but if you are not plugged in to some place where you are regularly, consistently meeting with believers to worship, be taught the Word, have fellowship, and practice your spiritual gifts, then you are probably not as devoted as you think you are. And you, you said it there in so many words that you're not going just to sit in a pew. No, there's components to church beyond sitting. There's worship, there's listening to the Word of God, there's fellowship, and there's practicing my spiritual gifts. So the thir- the second thing about being devoted is this. I am devoted to a pure and holy life of, wait for it, biblical obedience. So guys, being holy is to be set apart from the world for God's purposes. And so this is what the devoted man does. He lives a pure and holy life of biblical obedience. And so that's very, very important. We live in a day and age that says, well, I don't feel like this is right, or I don't think... We don't care. Honestly, to be a follower of Jesus, it means I'm following Jesus and what he taught. That means I don't sleep with women outside of marriage. And that means if I'm not married, I don't sleep with women before I'm married. Even if I'm engaged to her, I don't live with that woman before I marry her. I live in biblical obedience. So that's what I'm talking about. And the third thing is this, a devout man, so not only is he devoted to consistent church attendance and devoted to living a holy life based on biblical obedience, he's devoted to separation for Christian service. He is a man who serves others in the name of Jesus. That is very important to me, Dale. To ser- I know you can serve other people, but are you serving in the name of Jesus? Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying you have to serve in your church. I know guys that serve in the name of Jesus when they coach. Their whole coaching is all about reaching kids and, and influencing students for Jesus. You know, But it's got to be for Jesus. It's got to be with Jesus. The goal is God's kingdom to come to earth. To me, that is the line of demarcation. I volunteer for other organizations that aren't Christian, and if I'm just doing those things as a volunteer, that's, that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about for the cause and the sake of the gospel. Mm-hmm. So here's something I get all the time from guys. I don't go to church. I don't do these things. But how dare you say I'm not devout? So over the last 30 years, I've come up with seven principles. They spell the word walking. It's an acrostic. And I just want guys to, and I've done this many times. It's been spoken on this podcast before. It's in several books I've written. I really believe that this is important for guys to assess their spiritual 
strength or how devoted they are to Jesus with these seven things. And so if you're weak or timid or soft in one of these areas, I would ask you to adjust your fire and and turn it around. All of these areas are areas that you can actually become strong, but we have to identify it. The first one is W. Do you worship God consistently? Are you engaged in worshiping God consistently? Now, A, do you approach God in prayer. You know, Frederick Douglass once said, I prayed for 20 years but received no answer until I prayed with my legs. I thought that's great. Are you involved in regular blocks of prayer? L, do you love other believers in Christian fellowship? A critical verse there for me is John 13, 34 and 35, where Jesus said, this is how they you know, people out there, people who are not believers, this is how they will know that you are my followers if you love one another. So what Jesus was saying is the world will know that you're a believer through loving other believers. And I found that true in my life. When I became a Christian and migrated into the church, my family was like, what's going on with this guy? Everything's cool until you start going to church. Everybody, people, people start going, whoa, 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 something's different with this guy because I can pray in private. I can read my Bible in private. But church... Everyone knows that the guy who used to watch football on Sundays is now in church worshiping God. So I want to make sure I'm loving other believers in Christian fellowship. K, knowing the word of God, and I will just stand on this, guys. I believe if you are the man, God tells you to wash your wife in the word. I believe that you need to know the word better than anyone in your family. And if you don't, I would say you need to strive to. I will stand on that. I think that is uh, what God has called us to as men. I to invest in God's kingdom. And so my statement here is God doesn't fully have your heart until he fully has your wallet. And so are you giving fiscally and physically of your resources? Are you involved in giving? And people define that how they will, and that's totally fine. I personally give the first 10% of my income away off the top, and I spread that around to kingdom-oriented organizations that are unapologetic about the gospel, and I do it with great joy. Uh, I personally am not a storehouse tither, so my church does get uh, a significant portion of our income, but because I'm not Jewish, I don't believe in storehouse tithing. It's, it's a Jewish principle that Jesus never spoke about. So uh, he spoke about tithing one time, and he was rebuking the Pharisees. So that's I, N, nurturing people towards Jesus. You know, uh, Jesus' last words to the disciples were, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And I will say, I will also say that that passage is why I don't jump out of airplanes, because Jesus said, "Lo, I'm with you, not high. So just, just another little theological freebie there for you guys. And then the last one is G, uh, giving your life to the gospel service. Giving your life to the cause of the gospel through Christian service. And I've already mentioned that a little bit. Are you, which goes back to our first three um, points of being devoted, are you giving your life to Christian service? So guys, I hope that you really take a hard look at this and answer this question. Are you a truly devout man? Dale, what's next, man? Take us home. Yeah, guys, head on over to midinthearena.org and pick up your free copy of Tell Them What Great Fathers Tell Their Sons and Daughters and sign up 
to join one of our many virtual teams by clicking the Join Our Program button. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor, hear the deafening roar of the crowd, taste the sweetness of victory, smell the stench of battle, get in the game, get dirty, grind it out, and be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.